Welcome. You are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Jesus wants to show you mercy. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show you mercy. What do you want from him? Last week, we saw a man deny Christ's salvation. Because when given the choice, he chose to hold on to his wealth instead of following Jesus. He held on to safety and security and social acceptance. Quite literally, his money was so big in his life that it built a wall between him and God. Got to keep those those beggars out, right? (laughs) Why did Jesus ask him to choose? Would Jesus have given it all up and been obedient? Wait, Peter read that for us this morning. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. And He did that for you. How? How would He give it all up? Jesus kept telling His disciples about something that would happen the fourth time that Rod read for us this morning. Something that did not really seem to fit the plan of a hero coming to His people and rescuing them. And while everyone suffered from the shock that somehow Jesus didn't win this rich kid over to the team, Jesus decided to tell them for the fourth time what was about to happen. He said that first they had to go to Jerusalem, that he, the Son of Man, would be handed over to the chief priests and the scribes who would in turn hand him over to the Gentiles so that they could kill him. But first... Along the way, they would spit on him and make fun of him and whip him. And then finally, they would kill him. But that's not all. On the third day, Jesus says, he would rise. Now, if I were to announce to you that someone was for sure going to beat me and kill me and mock me, I would hope that at least you would start off with a, oh, shame. (laughs) I hope that you would not immediately jump to, hey, Wade, you know that green jacket that you have? Oh, are you going to be buried in that? Like, I hope you wouldn't jump to that. But that's exactly what two of the disciples did today. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of thunder. Jesus Jesus finishes telling about the future fact of what is going to happen to him. And they say, teacher, uh, we want you to give us whatever we want. (laughs) Can you agree to that? It's a strange, childlike question. But let's be honest, they have heard Jesus say to accept gifts from him like children. And children do ask for inopportune gifts at inopportune times. They have heard it said by him that 
uh, all they have to do is ask God because He is a good Father and that He will give them what they need. And they also know that Jesus, this man that they've been following around, has got some kind of great connection to God the Father. And let it be said that the question that they're asking is full of faith in who Jesus claims to be. But it shows that there is still a very sharp misunderstanding about how Jesus is going to be the Messiah. In fact, it begins to seem like they haven't been listening at all. Jesus wisely responds with patience. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus, will you let us have seats of power next to you, one at your left, one at your right, you know, when you're glorified, when your great work as a hero who defeats God's enemy is complete. They made their desires clear. They wanted to share in Jesus' reigning glory, which we actually know that we will do. And the desire isn't necessarily a bad thing. They knew that when he was sitting on his throne, that they wanted to be next to him. This is how they were showing faith. Whatever it was that they thought they would get out of it, whatever it was that they thought Jesus was going to do, they were certain that he could do it. They had seen miraculous things and they had heard radical teachings and they knew that whatever the mission was that Jesus was on, he would accomplish that mission. He would ascend to the throne. But they did not understand Jesus' predictions or his flat out telling them what was going to happen to him. They did not know that Jesus' throne was not ornate, not big and fancy. It was a simple wooden one on top of a hillside that he would be nailed to and that he would die upon. So, gently, Jesus responds. You don't understand what you're asking for. Do you think that you can drink the cup that I drink? Or be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. Hold on. Is Jesus testing our faithfulness right now? Is he testing our bravery? Surely we would go to battle with him. Is he questioning our manhood? Yes, we are able to drink of the cup that you drink from. And we can be baptized the way that you were baptized. Now, just for the record... When Jesus, or anyone for the most part, tells you that you have no idea what you're asking for, it's probably a good idea to rethink your ideas, okay? <laughs> to rethink where it is that you're going. Not only did they not understand the mission, but they did not get that the cup Jesus would drink would be overflowing with the wrath of God for the sin of the world 
And that the waters that he would be dipped into would be the flood waters of judgment and death. He tells them that they will experience all of that, but not with him and not the way that he experiences it. He will go first and he will be their substitute. He will drink that cup. He will be dipped into that flood in their place. Because of this, they will be able to rejoice as they share in His sufferings when they all inevitably die because of their proclamation of the good news. And because of that, they are able to rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. 1 Peter 4.13 But back to their request. Jesus simply tells them that he does not determine who sits next to him. They see Jesus as having great authority, but what they they do not seem to see is that Jesus willingly places all of his faith and trust in the Father to work out the details of the plan. They do not see that Jesus exercises perfect faith in God the Father. And not just as an example, but as a fulfillment of what they and we are going to fail in and need to be rescued from. Imperfect faith. Continuing on with what Rod already read in Mark chapter 10, verse 40. But to sit at my right hand or to sit at my left is not mine to grant, But it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they became indignant at James and John. (laughs) And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Maybe rightfully so, the disciples became angry with one another, just as they had. Back on the road, uh, chapter 8, I think, when they, they were to the point of punches with one another when they were arguing about who was the greatest. But once again, Jesus gently, patiently, brings them together like a good father. Come here, boys. Let's sort this out. He tells them that the kind of authority that they are waiting for is a worldly authority. What they think they want is a power and authority that God's people have always lusted after ever since the beginning when they said, give us a king, just like all the other tribes. But this is not what Jesus had in store for the disciples. They will have authority and power, but they will not show it, but they will rather show it in the way that God desires for them too. In humility. Not seeking glory, but carrying a cross. They must be like slaves and servants. J. 
just as Jesus has been doing and will do by giving up His life as a ransom, a payment to save the lives of a bunch of losers and cowards who don't deserve it. Losers and cowards like those disciples. And like you and me. Losers and cowards who are always seeking a more glorious route. More power, more authority. A path that is marked by influence instead of servanthood. Smooth roads instead of suffering. Mark then jumps to another story which could seem unrelated. Bartimaeus, a blind, poor person whose family needs to supplement their income by allowing their son to beg out on the street. Now, this is kind of interesting. In Mark's gospel, we don't get many names. We get names like centurion or woman. (laughs) Pretty general things, right? But here we have names, Bartimaeus and Timaeus. Why? That seems strange. Well, one reason for this is because Mark's gospel was primarily written to the church in Rome. And these people were probably members of the early church who were still around, who had actually seen Jesus in the flesh and seen his glorious works. And so they get a mention in this gospel. Unlike many people whose names were never recorded, who knows what happened to them afterwards. But here comes this beggar, probably going to beg something off of Jesus. But the crowd is tight, and he is blind and seated somewhere among them all, just collecting scraps from gracious neighbors. But he begins yelling, confessing with his lips, preaching who this Jesus guy really is, the promised son of David who would come and save his people. A poor, blind beggar sitting on the road preaching when everyone else is just waiting to see what happens with this would-be revolutionary marching into town. But the followers of Jesus there learned their lesson when Jesus got upset with them for sending away the parents and the babies a couple of weeks ago, you know? And so as this man's yelling, they make way. Jesus says, bring him up here. And they say, take heart, get up, he's calling you. I don't know if you've ever seen a, like a TV game show, right? Where people are sitting in the audience or you've been somewhere where someone's won a raffle or something and it gets pulled at random, right? And you see it on camera or in person. This person stands up, they're jumping out of their seats, they're giving everyone high fives, they're screaming. This is what's happening with Bartimaeus right now. I mean, this was a huge crowd surrounding Jesus. He's just this dude sitting on the side of the road. How would Jesus ever see him, right? And yet, that's exactly what he does. He jumps up. He throws off his overcoat. He runs to Jesus, undoubtedly being 
pushed up there closer by everyone else that's in attendance. And notice what Jesus asks him. What do you want me to do for you? Wait a second. Jesus just asked that question, didn't he? He just asked that question to the disciples. We've heard it before. Except for what were they asking for? Glory. What's this man asking for? Let's see. And at his request, um, oh, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? And obviously he says, I want, I want my sight. And his request shows a man filled with faith. He already has heard of Jesus. He believes in who he is or else he wouldn't be saying, son of David. He says, let me recover my sight. And interestingly enough, this isn't just what Bartimaeus needed. This is also what the disciples needed. They needed the eyes to see the importance of what Jesus was about to do. Jesus tells the man that this faith he has been given has made him well. That it has saved him. When it says there that he received his sight, that he's been made well, there's actually a deeper meaning to that word. That he's actually saved as well. Not just saved from blindness. Then something really unique happened. Jesus told him he should go about his business now. Go his own way. But he is compelled to now make his business about Jesus. He is compelled for his way to be Jesus' way. He is given the same choice as the rich young ruler. And he chooses to follow. Faith for this man and for you and for me is the admittance. We're admitting, we're confessing a constant need for Jesus. Faith is us admitting that we have a constant need for Jesus. So what do you want from Jesus? You want glory, fame, influence, importance, if so, you were blinded to the one thing that you truly need. Mercy. Grace. Jesus wants you to follow him, to understand your need, and to not assume superiority. Jesus showed this man mercy. Jesus wants to show you mercy. He wants to save you. No, wait. He has shown you mercy. His salvation is near to you. When you cry out, Hosanna, save us now. His response, I already have. He wants to remove the blindness from your eyes and show you all that He is, all that He has done for you, and that He is all that you must have in this world and in the one after. To show you His salvation, the grace and mercy He poured out of Himself while He was busy filling Himself up with your sin, your neighbor's sin, and mine.
so that you can see He drank the cup that you never could. That He placed Himself under God's wrath, being baptized into death for you and being raised again after three days for you. The Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 6, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Here is our King and our Savior, riding humbly on a donkey as a servant to His death, for you, for me, for our neighbor. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.